Okay, so remember, this one is on the 21st of December. 21st of December? Why are you telling me the date? You never know me telling me the date. Well, just because it's the last one we're doing before uh, Christmas. So okay. we will have to make mention of such. Ding dong, merrily on pop. Have you got any jingle bells for our um, intro? Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock. Jingle bell swing and jingle bell that's the jingle oh, bell. Wait. Let's go. Okay. Right, I so. meant like jingle bells on that. On oh, the, yeah, I'll do a bit of that. Like, I'll do that. Okay, you ready? You only get into, out the game where you put into it, Shelley. Mm-hmm. And I put everything into it I could and still do for the people and for the people that I was playing for and the people that I was manager for. I didn't cheat them out of anything. So I put all my heart and soul to the extent that my family suffered. Do you yeah. regret that at all? Oh, yeah, I regret, oh, I regret it very much. Yeah. Somebody said the football's a matter of life and death to you. I said, listen, it's more important than that. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock. Jingle bells Welcome to Man Marking, the podcast that uses football as a vehicle to encourage men to become more comfortable talking about their mental health. Today, we're talking to Rob Watton. Yeah, my name's Rob Watton. I am um, a presenter on Sky Sports News. Uh, I've been there... Next month, no, July, will be 22 years at Sky. Um, before that, I worked at Capital Radio, um, an independent radio station in London. Um, yeah, and on top of that, uh, I'm also a qualified scuba diving instructor, which is fun, and also a therapist, counsellor, whatever you want to call that psychotherapist call it what you will joining me on the show today is anthony olsen anthony how are we my friend i'm good i'm very very excited for the next few days Ooh, it's it's a fun time it is it's beginning to look a lot like christmas i'll tell you what it is an half it is an half ding dong merrily on pob yeah <laughs> <laughs> have you got your tree up the tree's up the tree's fine yeah it's going well going well it hasn't fallen down yet which how is, um was... were there any kind of Issues around what what colour lights we were putting on the tree. Any disagreements with 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 your with your other half? Yeah, yeah. yeah. As usual, um, obviously you couldn't have two sets of different lights. You have to no. be the one same, yeah. and it's got to be all organised. Yep, 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 I'd yep, yep. be that guy who like puts like silver string all over the tree and tinsel. Have you got tinsel all... on yours? Yeah, I've got tinsel. See, we've got as you can see. Yeah, there is no tinsel on our tree. Yeah, um, and. I have never had a Christmas without tinsel on the tree, and so said yeah. I said, are we, "What tinsel are we going for?" Yeah. And she looked at me like I'd said, "Do you mind if I spit on the tree as decoration?" <laughs> well, I had a bit of a problem over there. I had a few decorations, and I came down with a bit of tinselitis. Um, anyway, so <laughs> we've got Rob Watton on the show today. You've just ruined Christmas. <laughs> oh God! Uh. See, this is what happens when Ryan's not here. <laughs> There's nobody to rein us in. I'm so happy I could do that. I almost stopped breathing. <laughs> um, yeah, Ryan is still not here. Yeah, what is this shit I mean, going on? Maybe, did Ryan even ever exist? That's what I'm wondering. Who's Ryan? Oh, God. Uh, anyway, so we, we had Rob Watton Yeah, we got Rob Watton. Rob yeah. Watton is today's yeah. interview. Rob yeah. Watton of Sky Sort fame. Mm. Rob Watton and um, Capital. Yeah, Capital. And also uh, other broadcasting yeah. arenas. Yeah, but Rob, prim- primarily Sky Sports. Yeah, you'll know him from Sky Sports. You'll know him from Sky Sports. Um, 
So, our opening question, nice and simple. Mm. Don't want to think too much around the Christmas period. You know, there's a lot on your mind at the moment, isn't there? Mm. Getting the presents in. Mm. It's the turkey in. Mm. Stuffing. Shouldn't be in yet. Shouldn't be in yet. But but are you ready to get it in? Oh, yeah. So to speak. Have you measured the oven properly? Have you measured the oven yeah. properly? You know, have you got enough chairs for going around the dinner table? Mm. Have you bought vouchers for people because you can't be asked thinking of presents to yeah, buy? Absolutely, yeah. Um, is there enough mulled wine ready no. No, no more wine. No more wine. Either. Eggnog. I've never had it. Actually. No, neither have I. No. <laughs> um, mince pies. Oh, plenty of them. Love a mince pie. So lots to think about. So we're going to keep the opening question simple. Mm. So today's opening question is, who is your favourite TV presenter? Do I get, I think they come as one. Oh, f- <laughs> I can see your face going absolutely down earlier. Ant and deck, all day. All day. I've lost a, a lost. A lot of respect I don't, for We're you. not going into this. Are you the NTAs or something? It's Ant and Deck all day. All day long. Ugh. All day long. Do you want Sorry. a glass of warm water while you're here? Yeah, fine. Whatever. It's Ant and Deck. Do you want some right. dry bread? <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand. I'm not even discussing. You're not even getting the chance to discuss why you don't like them, but it's Ant and Deck for me. It's not that I don't like them. Yeah. It's, uh, we're not getting into this. Yeah. <laughs> I cannot believe it. <laughs> Bite a grove. <sighs> yeah. No. Yeah. Do you watch I'm a Celeb? Yeah, I liked it, yeah. Ah. I thought it was really positive this year. I thought it was good. It's much better than, like, well, <laughs> it's not a high bar, really, is it? Like, the other reality TV. I thought you were going to say Love Island then. I was going to say Get Out. Shows that come on. Get it, Out now. It is, though, isn't it? I mean, like, I just don't like I'm a Celeb. It's boring. Bores the absolute life out of me. I don't know. I like it. Big fan. Jordan North was on it, though. That's fun. Yeah. Happy happy place, happy place to have more. Yeah. And all that. Of course I'm not happy. The pubs aren't open. <laughs> what do you expect? <laughs> Which is great. Go on then, that's, that's... That's, that's a video. I don't know if any of you have seen it let's, on the internet. Let's see it. What's your... Um, I went for Graham Norton. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> you've had a go at me and you've gone for Graham Norton. Graham Norton's great. I actually uh, put in brackets Rick Edwards because obviously we spoke to Rick Edwards. Yeah, we probably should have said Rick Edwards. Rick Edwards. Rick Edwards. I also, for a football one, I went Gabby Logan. Gabby Logan? Okay. I like Gabby Logan. Yeah. You didn't say fans were Gabby. Yeah, I'm be- also. Do you know who I'm also a big fan of? Mm. And not just because he was at the Rovers the other day. I like Dan Walker. Yeah, Dan Walker's good. Chappers. Uh, Chappers. Chappers is, Chappers is lovely. Yeah, Chappers is. Chappers could present. Do you know what anything. I want when a TV program comes on? I want to know him and say fans. Yeah, Gabby Logan was in Mike Bassett, which is also yes. you know it's a tick in a box for me. Though. Gabby Logan once I once watched a program that Gabby Logan was in where she had to learn how to do stand up and then did stand up at the end of it. They like <laughs> took a series of celebrities who weren't stand up comedians. Um, like Jason Manford was one of them. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not. I'm not that was a dig. I like Jason uh, Manford as well. I was just trying to do it. I thought you might laugh at that. Yeah. Um, so they took a series of celebrities, Gabby Logan being one of them, and they, they did like classes on how to get them to be stand-ups, and then they did stand-up. Gabby Logan did stand-up. She was very funny. Did any of them tell my turn to like this joke? Um, no, they were very funny. Oh, okay. Um, so anyway, enough of that. <laughs> enough of that nonsense. That absolute <laughs> nonsense that people definitely want to hear just yeah, before so Christmas. Skipped. Yeah, they have skipped. That little 15 second yeah. button. 30, I think. Is it 30? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I think mine's 30. Yeah. Back 10, forward 30. Yeah. I think that says a lot about people. Mm. Um, anyway, so Rob Watton. Mm. We had Rob Watton on the, on the show. And there's probably, I mean, there's probably a litany of reasons as why we wanted to speak to Rob Watton. For obvious reasons, he's worked at Sky Sports for a long, long time. Sky Sports, the, the, I'd say the premier sports broadcasters in this country. Um, mm. at probably the, 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 the main news outlets for sports in this country as well and Rob was at Sky Sports when it very first began when Sky Sports news very first started so he's got really good insight into that 
equally, Rob is also a uh, a counsellor, a therapist. Yeah, which is like, really surprising. Really surprising. So that was another reason why I wanted to talk to him. And he's also come up with some alternative therapy options. Yeah. As well. So lots for us to talk to, to Rob Watton about. Big football fan as well. Big mm-hmm. Chelsea fan. Um, so that brings us to our theme, mm. Anthony. Would you like to tell the listeners about the theme for this week? Yeah, it's the life and times of Anthony. Deck. And no, um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's Stanford Bridge, Sky Sports and Scuba Therapy. And like... The scuba fairy thing is is so interesting. Yeah, really. Like how you'd even come about it, but yeah, it, honestly, it's it's just a lovely interview. And you know when we say, "Oh, he's a counselor," you listen to his voice and you go, yeah. "Yeah, he's got one of them voices." When I listened back to the episode <sighs> the other day, just soothing. I was, I was like, "Oh, yeah, it's great." This, yeah, isn't it? it's just soothing. It's just so nice. And but the the best thing about interviewing him was he was doing the the interviews. Um, from the same place he would do the interviews on Sky Sports yes, as well, yeah, yeah, which is yeah, really yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, we could probably put some of that footage on the on, on the really, socials. Really good. Yeah. Um, so it was like I watched it the next day. I was like, "Oh, there's Rob. We interviewed him the other day. He's in the same place." <laughs> so, I saw that book. <laughs> so it's yeah. good. but he was fantastic, and yeah. I think it's really interesting to hear about how Sky started, yeah. as well as you know how it's been for him and. He, Somebody who loves his job, somebody who's really good at his job yeah. as well. And then now, you know, talking about his therapy and that sort of thing, which is just not something that, mm. we, you know, before we obviously do research on the guests, some of these things do come up. And that was like mad that that, that, that was something that, that we, that I suspect people probably won't know that about him because it's not, not something he tweets about a lot or goes on about a lot. Um, and that comes a lot from personal experience, which he touches on in the interview as well. Yeah, and we also asked him um, about, you know, the differences in, in the therapies he's had to give during the lockdown period yeah. as well. Yeah. So, you know, how, how he had to adapt and, and, and go through that as well, yeah. which was really interesting. Which so. has been like like all rounds, everyone's had to yeah. kind of adjust to that and still are adjusting as well. Yeah, I think the majority of people in the country would have had some interaction when they're not feeling well and have to go to the doctors yeah. and do it online and stuff. So. Which, which is which is a massively different dynamic to yeah. what you would normally do. Yeah. So we will leave you with, with Rob Button's interview. We'll see you on the other side. You're listening to Man Marking. This podcast is about uh, mental health, men's mental health and, and football. Could you give us an idea as to why you agreed to, to do an interview for us? Um, well, obviously, being a, a, a qualified counsellor, um, and and I, I work in private practice with that. Um, mental health is obviously um, something that is very high on my uh, agenda. Um, I, I mean, if if we just take j- just a second um, to consider that. It's the biggest killer of men under thirty, suicide. And and try and if I try and get my head around that, you know, it's not smoking, it's not driving a car too fast, it's not um, cancer, it's not it's not anything else. It's suicide is the biggest killer. And 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 to think of the mental anguish, pain uh, that people have gone through to get to that state, and also the the mental anguish and pain that those people leave behind afterwards, that is um, that is a, a statistic that you really have to stop, think, and and wonder whether we're addressing as a, as a society well enough. 
Yeah, it's it's one of those things where when once you start kind of looking at the the, the numbers, it's almost impossible to comprehend really how they can be so high and 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 almost where do you go from there with that? It's it, it's incredibly difficult. Um, so moving on to football, then Rob, how would you describe your relationship with football? Uh, love, hate, um, joy, despair, uh, uh, um, belonging, feeling isolated, um, all of the above at, at various times. What I've discovered is, is the joy and the, the feeling of, of, of euphoria lasts, um, a lot quicker it is over a lot quicker than the feeling of despair and um and and distraughtness over your team's performance that's what i've discovered when when you when you when i when when chelsea lose or or when england lose or or whoever lose my despair carries on for for much longer than when chelsea win a title it seems to go in about a second and then it's on to the next thing what's your earliest football memory rob uh well uh i was taken to stamford bridge uh, uh, very young when i was four uh, and um i can remember going to the games in those days they just they just built what is the east stand at chelsea which is the one where they where the players run out of and um it was actually cheaper because they couldn't fill the stand because Chelsea was so rubbish at the time. Uh, it was it was cheaper actually to buy a season ticket in the East Stand than it was to pay to go in the shed every week. So um, we had some season tickets in the East Stand. I remember being taken to my first game, and my dad saying to me, "Right, we're the team in blue. The other team are in white. We've got to try and put the ball in that net, and they've got to try and put the ball in in our net." And I remember watching it. What he didn't tell me was the other team were trying to stop each other from putting the ball into the net. <laughs> and 90 minutes when you're four is a long time. And it was, yeah. a nil, it was a nil-nil draw. And I remember thinking, God, they're rubbish. I could do that. Um, little did I know that uh, many more Saturday afternoons of anguish watching Chelsea trying to score and failing to miserably lay ahead um, but that was my first memory of of football. Oh, actually, just on that, did when um when when you started going, then was it? Did you almost have to get dragged there by your dad, or was it? Were you eager to go back? No, no, no. I desperately wanted to go back. The problem, the the, the bit that I bit that I didn't appreciate too much is we'd have to be up there at twelve because all his mates he was mates with the landlord of one of the pubs up there. So we'd have to be up there at twelve. I'd sit in the corner of the pub from twelve till well normally about ten past three because they never seem to get in for kickoff. And then we'd go back to the pub afterwards at five and knock on the door and there'd be a lock in there till about midnight. And we'd all I'd have to sit in the corner drinking Coke. And it took me years to drink Coke after that because I couldn't stand it. Those e- either side of the game I didn't really enjoy very much, but the actual match was was I loved it. I loved the crowd. In those days, you could smoke in there, and I loved the smell of um, sort of all the cigarettes and and all. I loved all of that. I loved it all the noise and the yeah, I loved it. So going on to your onto your career, then Rob, you you were 
since you did a, a postgrad in in TV and, and journalism, what was your what was your your undergraduate degree in? I did a, a degree in um, what I really wanted to be is 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 I, I wanted to be an eco warrior. Um, at the time, but environmental issues weren't really nobody really sort of talking about that. But I'd, I'd done an A level in environmental science, and I wanted to be um, an eco, you know, like. Um, because uh, I'm, I, I, I love marine biology. I love scuba diving as well, and and I wanted to be, you know, one of those. And and I applied to do um, environmental science at Bath, and didn't. Um, I think the pub and other things got in the way, and I, I didn't quite get the grades I should have done. And and I um, I went through the clearinghouse and and ended up doing a degree in health and community studies at Chester. Um, which was actually really, I mean, uh, you know, you talk about, you know, mental health certainly wasn't on the agenda then, but a lot of the, a lot of that, um, a lot of that degree was about um, um, mental health and, and how it fitted in with society and how certain parts of society were disenfranchised um, for various reasons. So actually it was a course that was ahead of its time um, and I found it fascinating. So how did you go from that to journalism? Well, I um, I applied for a postgraduate. That at the time there was only two two real real places who were doing postgraduates in um, media. People didn't really seem to do it in those days, um, uh, and one of those was London College of Printing in London, and I applied there. And I turned up for the, they had a whole day of interviewing and uh, I turned up to that and, and everyone seemed far better qualified than me to be doing this. So I just sort of relaxed and enjoyed the day. Uh, and and in the end, they offered me a place in there. So um, I don't know why, but they did. And I was very pleased to be offered the place. And uh, I did a postgraduate. I mean, I, I'd done stuff before, you know, at university, uh, doing the, my degree. You know, I was very involved in um, in sort of the social side <laughs> of the degree, most probably to the detriment of uh, my qualifications. But, um, yeah, so I, my CV wasn't just, oh, I fancy doing this. Let's do it. Um, I had put in, in in the work during during my degree as well. But I was still very surprised to get on the course and um you know that there's quite there were quite a few people adrian durham is one of those who's now at talk sport he was he was on the same course as me and quite a few others were on that course that year who've gone on to do uh, far better than me but it showed what what the quality was of the people on that course and in terms of at that point what were your career aspirations well when I was younger, my mum uh, was a school teacher, and um, and there was um, there was a player called Ernie Howe, um, not Eddie Howe, Ernie Howe, who um, who played for Fulham. And there there used to be two programs on Match of the Day, which obviously is, is still happening, and ITV had a program called The Big Match on a Sunday lunchtime, and in in the titles for um 
for the big match. Ernie Howe would be, you could see Ernie Howe celebrating a goal with George Best and Rodney Marsh. And every Sunday, my mum used to look up and she used to go, that's Ernie Howe. I taught him uh, at, at primary school. He was a far better footballer than you were at his age. And look, he's only playing for <laughs> Fulham. So I, it, it was drilled into me quite early that I, maybe I wasn't going to be a, a professional footballer. So doing football commentary or, or working in football journalism seemed to me the next best thing to do. I know obviously you wait for, for Sky and for, for Sky Sports News now. Was it something that you felt, you know, that was, you know, what you wanted to do? Did you have any specific aims for what you wanted to do? Or was it kind of just, I want to get into this in some way and we'll see where it takes me? Well, I wanted to be a commentator, really, I think, is, is what I really wanted to do. But... Um, what I discovered was, is I got far too emotionally involved in the game to be a commentator or, or a good commentator because <laughs> I'd, just, I'd just get totally absorbed in what I was watching and forget to say the right things or even worse, saying the wrong things at the wrong time. Um, and um, I, I did commentary a few times and, and really enjoyed it, but I, I, I had to give myself a telling off and, and say, look, you know, I'm, I'm not really... I'm not really very good at this because I remember one time Chelsea were playing Sheffield Wednesday at Stamford Bridge. It was the days before they put up the the boards for time added on. And um, Sheffield Wednesday scored an equaliser. It, it seemed to me about the 10th minute of injury time. And, you know, and uh, I was doing the commentary. And instead of commentating on the goal, I just went, oh, no, that's so unfair. Luckily, I didn't swear. <laughs> but uh, I just went, that's so unfair. Oh, referee. Oh, that's out of order. And um, at that point, I sort of thought to myself, oh, maybe I shouldn't really be a, a commentator. So in terms of in terms of your of your position, your roles, we, we spoke with um we spoke with Carl Anker, who works for the Athletic and um, Miguel Delaney from from the Independent, and they both did some quite unusual roles to to, to get into into journalism was there ever anything you had to do in terms of i think carl said that he messaged somebody and said i'll come and make tea for you for two weeks just so i can be in the building almost um was there anything like that that you had to do to kind of get a foot in the door yeah well yeah I think, yes yes um so my, my first job was uh at, at capital radio at the at the time it still is but at the time it was a huge independent radio station in london and it did football commentary uh and um, um jonathan pierce who's now match of the day uh was there steve wilson match of the day uh was there ian crocker um sky sports commentator um julian waters sky sports news dave clark uh sky sports darts um jim proudfoot um, we were all there at that time and when I was doing my postgraduate I I, I I phoned them up and said look can I just come in and, and help out and and you know so I was going in and midweek whilst doing my postgraduate and basically I was just going to McDonald's and uh, you know for them and and in those days you would edit tape with a razor blade and, and a bit of sticky tape and a china graph and that's how you edited and so I was doing a bit of that and a bit of this and one night I turned up and and the producer said uh, the the bloke who's supposed to to do Barnet against Carlisle 
um, hasn't turned up. Could you do the game? And so I said, yeah, all right then. So I got the kit and off I went. For me, it was the most glorious game ever because uh, it was the first one I reported on on the radio. It was a nil-nil draw at Underhill. In the you seem to have a bit of a knack for ending up at nil-nil draws. <laughs> yeah, nil-nil yeah. draw at Underhill in, in the pouring rain, in freezing cold. Um, but um, and then after that, they, they they offered me to do another match. And then when it came towards the end of my postgraduate, they said, "Look, I did my work experience there. We had to do work experience during the postgraduate. At the end of that, they said, "Well, why don't you just come and join us full time?" So I went straight from the postgraduate straight to capital and, and ended up working there. And then you were obviously part of the, were you part of the team that, that, that was kicked off at, at Sky Sports News that, that started it all? How did that, how did that come about? Yeah. Um, my last game for, for Capital Gold Sports, as it was called, was the 1998 World Cup final. So I was in uh, the Stade de France for France against Brazil. And then that was the Sunday I started at Sky on this new channel. They were going to do rolling 24-hour sports news. Um, and what had happened was the, the head of Sky News Sport had, had contacted me. And what he did was, um, he said, oh, he said, I, I'd done a couple of shifts for Sky News Sports just, you know, in my spare time. And um, I, I had an invoice for them. And he said, oh, the, the head of Sky News Sport, a man called Andy Cairns, he said, well, why don't you just drop me, rather than send your invoice through, because I only live down the road from there. He said, why don't you just bring your invoice in? It'd be nice to see you. So I took my invoice in. He said, oh, we're, we're, just, we're just trying out this new studio. Would you mind helping us out and just sitting in there and reading whatever comes up on the auto queue and just to help us out. So I said, yeah, that's not a problem. So I sat in there and did that. I came out and he said, uh, this is um, the uh, deputy head of Sky Sports and the head of Sky Sports, and, and we'd like to offer you a job. So that was that was in, in, in the March of 98. I worked out my notice and did the World Cups, um, France 98 for Capital, and then went straight to Sky for the start of... Sky Sports News, which I think actually went live on air sort of in the August or the September. So, um, yeah, I was there from the beginning. And at that time, um, I'm probably going to make you feel old now, Rob. I think I was about six at, at that <coughs> point. So, so I've gotten, I haven't really got much of a memory in terms of what Sky or Sky Sports was like at that time. I don't think we got Sky in our house until, until I was a, a teenager. But what was, obviously we know what Sky and Sky Sports is like now what was what was it like then it was it was much smaller um than it is now um you know there, there's there's some huge positives with the way sky is now and there was some huge positives with the way sky was then you know it was much smaller much more intimate um everybody knew each other um it, it felt really really exciting um the, the downside of that was, is, is you know, I think I, I, we had some illnesses right at the very beginning. A sort of bug went round. And I ended up, I think, doing something like 29 days in a row. Um, 
because people just kept getting ill, mm-hmm. which would, would would never happen now. Um, so there was some sort of downsides to it, but there was also it was also very exciting at the time. It was something new. Um, people were saying a a twenty four hour sports um, station, uh, Sky Sport, uh, a sports news station would never work, and we were crazy. And um, but um, I, I think it seemed to work in the end. Yeah, well, I, just just a little bit in 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 terms of what it's become today. Did, when you started it, if you'd have been told, you know, twenty twenty two years later, it would be what it is today in terms of probably the biggest sports outlet, you know, in in terms of news in the in the country. Would you have, would you have believed them, or was it did it did it not feel that way at the time? It certainly didn't feel that way at the time. And and to be honest with you, Dan, it, it doesn't feel that way now because I've been there. If if you if you tell me that, I sort of I almost I almost dismiss it because it, it, it because I've grown up with it. Um, it just feels, you know, it's it's wrong to say it feels like a job, um, because it doesn't. But it. You know, it, it just feels the same. It feels kind of natural to go and do what I do. And, you know, I, I, I don't, I think if I, if, if, if I allowed myself to stop and think this is huge, then, um, you know, I'd start getting a, you know, you'd start getting an ego too big for your boots, wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. And in terms of a, a, a bit of a peek behind the curtain then, Rob, what does a, a typical day look like for you then at Sky Sports News? Well, um, the great thing is every day is, is different, which is kind of nice. Um, but uh, for the past, I'm trying to think of, I'm trying to think of dates for the past um, two, five, six years. For the past six years, um, I've been working Monday to Friday, which has been really weird because. Previous to that, um, the previous 16 at, at Sky and, and before that seven years at Capital, I've worked every weekend. And I'm still not used to not working weekends. So a typical day, um, uh, I, I, I'm doing a show at the moment. Uh, well, this season, I, I don't know what will happen next season, but from 10 until midday, five days a week with with guests. So... I normally get in at about, uh, I get up quite early and, and get in normally about sort of seven o'clock-ish, uh, 7 a.m., um, have a little look through um, what's coming up, um, have a little think about what we want to chat about with the guests that day, see any of the action that I haven't seen from the night before. Then we make a point of every morning at, at eight thirty, um, the sort of me and the the people on the on the team, we all can have breakfast together at eight thirty, or get breakfast together at eight thirty, and that's quite nice. Um, and then the guests will come in at about nine, and I'll have a chat with them at nine. Then we go on air at ten till midday, and then uh, depending on what we got coming up the next day, you know stick around and, and do a few bits and bobs for the next day and then um such as the nature of football 
um, I'll get home and then I'll start watching all the stuff that I need to watch for the following day. So I normally sort of finish that about 10 o'clock at night, half 10, and then go to bed and do it all again. I, I, I think I probably could guess the answer to this, but do you, do you enjoy it? Uh, yeah, yes. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I mean, what it has done, and sometimes I don't enjoy that, is, is I very rarely watch a, a game of football now purely for pleasure. Even even when I'm I'm a season ticket holder at Stamford Bridge, even when I'm at at Chelsea watching a game, I'll still be sort of logging, almost logging the game in my head, um, and 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 thinking about, okay, what can we do with this in 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 work the next day or on the Monday or whatever day it is, or texting Dermot Gallagher if there's been some outrageous decision against Chelsea and, and and asking him what on earth that's about. And in terms of, of almost what your position represents, do you feel like you work in sport or do you feel like you work in the media that reports on sport? And kind of that question comes from, do you think there's been a bit of a blaring between those two things more and more over the last sort of five or ten years? Yeah, I think I think there has. I don't think I work in sport. Um, and I think it's important, you know, for me as, for me, no, I can't comment on anyone else, for me as a journalist to not think that I am a sportsman. I come at it from a, I come at it from a position of um, my opinion counts for nothing. I might have my opinion, but my opinion counts for nothing. And my questions or my um, inquisitiveness is as a as a fan or, or or as as a as a human being trying to get an inside insight from people who know better and know more than me. And do you think that you were saying before about if you kind of consider too much how 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 big Sky is and you know how much of a reach that it's got that you can almost you know, cause a bit of a, an, an egotistical problem for people. Is that something that you've you've seen from working within it, that people can feel as though it's it's them that are the story rather than the sport that's the story? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, not, not so much. Um, yeah, yeah, I can. Yeah, and it's, um, it, it's actually quite, an, I would think, quite an easy, seductive trap to fall into, to think that, you know, because we we all we all have our our thoughts and our feelings and our opinions on on football because we're you know or or sport or whatever because you know we're we're fans of it and you know um is it difficult as someone who's who's trained as a as a journalist to not almost be wanting to put your opinion across on things yeah uh it is um especially especially if your team has lost you you want to yeah anyway don't don't get me going there Dan. <laughs> but um, yeah but i mean nobody nobody cares what i think about you know who i think should, gareth southgate should start for england not even me really cares 
what, what I think England's best starting 11 are. But they would care. Um, uh, Gary Neville thinks it, England should start with. And so if you put that comparison, you know, does anyone care what I think? No. Do people care what Gary Neville thinks? Yes. Therefore, it's up to me to ask Gary Neville what he thinks rather than me telling Gary Neville what I think. And Rob, you're an MBACP counsellor. Um, firstly, could you explain what that is um, for anyone listening? Yeah, so um, the BACP, so I'm a member of the BACP, which is the British Association for Counselling and Psychotherapy, which, you know, in footballing terms is a bit like sort of being a member of the FA or, or, or you know, following FIF Pro and all their rules. So um, it, it's there to sort of regulate um regulate what i'm doing so the bacp have a have a sort of ethical framework that i work under and uh, there's certain things in place for example i have to have what's called supervision um where uh someone more senior to me monitors me and monitors what i'm doing and and make sure that i'm i'm practicing in the same way uh as far as as far as what you call yourself, you, you know, I could call myself a counsellor, a therapist, a psychotherapist, it, it, whatever fits, really. So I'm a member of the BACP uh, uh, and um, I, I'm a counsellor. And how, why, or how or why did you become uh, a counsellor? Was it a, an experience that you had or was it just something that you, you found like a bit of a call into? Um, a bit of all of that, I, I, I guess, um, you know, uh, it's, it's something that's interested me for a long time. It's something that I, I, you know, I got key, keen on and interested in, um, uh, as a, as, um, I'm also a scuba diving instructor. And, and I developed a, a, a course called Scuba Therapy, which I, I designed myself, which is to help people who, who are recovering from addictions to, to use scuba diving as, as a tool um, to help people uh, in, in that sense. And I've been teaching that for, for quite a few years. And off the back of that... Um, I decided that you know it it would be really helpful, really useful um, through my own experiences and from teaching that to um, become a qualified um, counselor therapist. So I did the qualifications for that whilst working full time. It took me about four years to do, but it was well worth doing. And um, now I'm, you know, a practitioner which is great. And scuba diving as therapy, that must be, I mean, you must be like the only, are you the only one who does that? Because I've, I've genuinely never heard of, of, of that as a, a kind of resource to, for, for therapy. But. No, and it's, uh, I, I don't know is the answer. I, I recently saw a seminar because um, as a scuba diving instructor, I'm, I'm, a, mem I'm, I'm a member of Paddy, which is one of the big, um teaching uh bodies in the world and i saw a seminar from a woman in wales actually during lockdown she was talking about the therapeutic benefits of of scuba diving i don't know if she was actually teaching a course but 
uh, there was some there was some um, research done in Italy about ten years ago um, by two um, PhD um, students there who were explaining the, the mental benefits and and uh, to to mental well being of scuba diving, and um, so there, there is some sort of thing there. But I'm the only person I've come across, and it's interesting because it. You know, with addiction and um, with the recovery from addiction, a, a lot of it is about trust. A lot of it is about, you know, um, uh, handing things over, about surrendering, about um, making yourself, you know, in, in a vulnerable position in order to get better. Uh, and scuba diving incorporates a lot of that, you know, and there's a lot of stuff in there about breathing um and helping each other and and passing stuff on which is a lot of what addiction recovery is about so it is in there um we don't take them out to sea uh, in the early days um that would be a little bit dangerous it's all done in a safe environment in a swimming pool but um it's it, it, i i found i found it really powerful and and at the same time really fun which is i guess the sort of balance that you, that you want to do absolutely and um just in your words just finally um how important do you think it is for people to talk um and open up and and even particularly for men as well how important do you think that is yeah um it's huge it's the only way i mean there's there's lots of sort of guess there's lots of sort of um you might have seen them out there on the internet sort of things that you can do to demonstrate there's there's the idea i don't know if you've seen the one of the of the person holding the the glass sort of half full of water and you know to start with it doesn't weigh anything and they're they're, they're still holding it you know sort of 10 minutes later and their arms beginning to 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 to, to shudder because of the strain of holding it and the idea is is you know if you if you let someone else hold it with you it's it's a lot less painful to hold on to there's 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 a wonderful phrase that i like which is uh, i alone can do this but i can't do this alone which i think is is a wonderful little phrase and and what it means to me is is that you know a, a, as a person I, I have to put the action in if if you know if if my if my mental health is suffering i have to you know it's it's only me who can reach out but i need someone else to come and help me when i do reach out and so it's that idea of you know no, nobody else nobody else can do the work that i need to do for, on my own mental well-being only i can do that but i can't do it by myself and i need other people or we need other people um to help us through these things and and the fact that we go right back to the very beginning and the fact that the biggest killer of men under under 30 is suicide is 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 so utterly utterly um upsetting because it's it it is it is it is in most cases um avoidable and um you know Suicide, I hear, is is the is is a permanent solution to a temporary problem, and and if people can reach out and talk and help, 
each other, then maybe, you know, we as a society can reduce that number. And just in your experience, um, is that situation improving at all? I, I certainly think it. I certainly think it is since since I was um, since I was young. You, you know, t today is VE day, and um, how society in Britain or across the world managed to piece itself back together in those days, because um, you know, in those days, it's very. You know, the, the 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 rules and the the lines and the borders and the boundaries were, were set. The men would come back from war and they wouldn't talk about it, and they would, you know, go back to their jobs in the in the bank or or you know wherever with a family they hadn't seen for years and sit at a table and be prim and proper and not talk about their emotions and talk about the things. I don't know how society managed to 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 survive but it did but if we move on from those days to now I, I think we're much more open we're much more willing and free to talk about these things and that can only be of of benefit uh, it can only be of help that it is changing a little bit and and how we changed uh from many many years ago um there's a recent study um about players in the game uh, coming out and seeking help uh, during the lockdown. Um, do you think? Do you think that's going to become more uh, apparent as the years go on? There are going to be more current players instead of ex-players coming out and saying, "Look, I'm I'm not in the best shape. Uh, I'm not feeling too fresh," uh, and seeking help. I would I would hope so. I mean. There are still bastions of sort of um, of sort of the old days, and, and changing rooms is is one of those um, where um, you know the way I was brought up was you don't let you don't tell anyone any any of your weaknesses because they'll use it against you. Is the way I was brought up. Is the way people were brought up in those days. Um, and, and I think sort of changing rooms and, and certainly um, alpha male atmospheres are still there, there is still some resistance to to opening up and speaking. But I think that is all changing the heads up campaign, you know, the work that sporting chants do and, and the PFA get knocked a lot. Um, but actually the PFA and the funding they put into to sporting chance is phenomenal uh, as as well as other professional sporting bodies put money into that and the work that sporting chance do at the moment they have a they have a network of therapists across the country that if you are if you're a sportsman if you're a footballer or whoever and and you phone sporting chance they they can put you in touch with a therapist who is if not on your street certainly within you know a, sh a short bus ride away from you. So um, the networks are all there. The, the 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 offer of support and help is all there. It's just whether the I alone can do this is is willing to go and do that. In terms of 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 your experiences with with mental health, is it something that you've had issues with, which is what's 
almost prompted you to to do the work that you do or is it is it just something that you felt that you'd be able to to assist with no i i've had my own my own stuff um you know um addiction is rife in 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 my family and um uh and it's something that i i have had to address um my own mental well-being is dependent upon stuff that i have been taught some stuff that i have been i have learnt and stuff that i have discovered about myself so yeah i have been through that journey and it's you know it's um carl jung who's one of the great sort of um I guess he was a contemporary of, of Freud. His idea was that it was only by knowing your own darkness that you could see, you could help people see the darkness within themselves. So it's only by, for me, it's it's only by understanding how, how, you know, my mental um, well-being is, is, is affected by things is, is by me having that understanding that I can have, um, that empathy and that um, identification with people that um, come into my therapy room. And in terms of people that you speak to, is it primarily men or do you get a cross-section of men and women? Um, has that demographic changed at all? Um, uh, both, really. Um, I, I think... Um, but I'm, 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 you know, I, I, I'm encouraged by by anyone who comes, who 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 asks for help, um, and I think is the demographic changing. I think yeah, we're seeing a, a lot more, a lot more men coming forward now, which is, which is encouraging, really, um, because before it, it it wouldn't have been the wouldn't have been the case. I think a lot of the time it may be that people have got problems or issues or things that are going on in their mind, but they don't quite understand that it's that, that, that that's you know something that maybe if they talk about it, someone else will understand. Is there anything that comes around in terms of regular themes that are consistent that perhaps people don't pick up on until they start verbalizing them? Yes, um, and it all depends what sort of. There's lots of different approaches to to um, psychotherapy and seeing how your mind works and um, uh, and discovering you know w which way you want to work. But um, I would think a, a lot of people um, are grieving over something that, that doesn't necessarily mean mean a death. Quite a lot of times it is a death but they can be grieving um, over a lot of things, a sense of loss over something. Um, at the back of everything, uh, I, 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 I think I, I always try and work out what is the fear? What, what, where, where are you coming? Where's the fear behind all of this? Because sometimes, most of the times, um, a lot of it is is based in fear, and is uh, do the feelings match the facts? So is is what I am feeling? You know, sometimes it's easy. It's an easy mistake to make 
that a feeling that I am having is a fact. Um, so I'm trying to think of an example. Um, you know, a, a feeling that the, this lockdown is going to last forever, that I'm overwhelmed by the lockdown, that uh, I'm not going to be able to cope with the lockdown, that um, uh, everything's going to go wrong now. Okay, those are the feelings, but are they the facts? Well, the facts are that so far to this moment, I have to cope with the lockdown. The fact is that it, no, it's not going to last forever. The fact is, yes, some things will have changed, but other things won't. And it's trying to dissect what is a fact and what is a feeling is, is quite an interesting one to do. And a lot of it is about are learned processes real? So um, different thought forms of therapy take a different approach. So if you're, um, if you're doing sort of cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, it's those ABCs. Um, uh, you know, um, what is the activating um, situation? What is the belief and what, what are the consequences? And, and working through those if if you're a if if you're um um psychodynamic if you're a sort of freudian it's it's going back to your childhood what did you learn there and why are they manifesting themselves now so all of those things i think are common themes in therapy and then my final question would be rob i think we we were in agreement pretty much all around the that the tide is kind of changing maybe slowly but surely in terms of people talking about mental health and talking about their issues and and verbalizing them and, and perhaps the stigma being removed do you think there's a bit of an issue in terms of the access that people have got to mental health services being able to provide the opportunities for people to be able to do that and receive treatment if if necessary yes um very much so and you you know you you it's really tricky because you 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 can't blame the nhs the nhs uh, uh you know have to spread their resources across everything and and you know they're, they're very much um you know here's a set course of cbt once you've had that set course of cbt that the boxes are ticked and off you go and they can say that they've they've treated someone for me um you know, deeply ingrained um, mental health issues take a lot longer than that. And, um, you know, is, you know, is, is counselling and psychotherapy and or, or whatever you want to call it only the realm of the of the middle classes? Because can the can the you know, can the working class afford to go to a therapy to see a therapist once a week for for three years most probably not which is which is awful it's a terrible position to be in um add to that we have a decline in our society see you know for for, for many millennia people would go to their to their priest to their imam to their rabbi to their vicar to their uh, you know whatever for for mental well-being therapy and, and we don't as a society have that nowadays that's that's on the decline so the the counselor the therapist is becoming the modern day sort of a confidant of, of people who are struggling with their with their 
with their mental uh, well-being so there, there's so many things in there and and is is the access available to to all and is the um what they are accessing is it relevant and and worthwhile um no but we can all do our bit you know it's it's not about giving advice sometimes most of the times it's just being there and and listening and being there for someone and and being that person that someone can just offload onto and and you don't need to give advice you don't need to come up with the magic answer you just need to be there for them that's all that sometimes is needed welcome back welcome back to my mark and you've been listening to uh to rob watton's interview there i'm still with yeah, the beautiful Christmassy Anthony in front of me here. Mm. Look at him, all festive, yeah, full of glee. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, absolutely. <laughs> You're just accepting that. Just, yeah. I'll just take that. What am I? Full of glee. He's full of glee. Yeah. Um, one of the things we mentioned beforehand, before we listened to Rob and something he talked about was his scuba therapy. Mm. And I think as the sort of message around mental health develops around let's get people talking, let's get people opening up. The next stage of that is, okay, well, once I've opened up and once I've started talking, what do I do next? Where do I go next? And the obvious step is go to your doctor, you know, go to a, a therapist, a psychotherapist, uh, you know, whatever it might be. Go and get talking and go and try and get treatments, be that CBT or, you know, whatever type of treatment that might be. Now, there are loads of different types of treatment and a lot of them I imagine people don't know about. Mm. particularly with mental health because it's still such a new thing for people to explore them. Mm-hmm. So we, what we thought we would do is have a little bit of research about some different types of therapy that are out there for people to try. Mm-hmm. Some of which may be, oh, I didn't know that was a thing. And some of which might be, oh, yeah, they did that. I didn't know that was an actual thing. Are you going to tell me something? Now? I'm going to tell you a couple. Okay. I'm gonna, I picked... Do you want to give me them and I'll see what I can guess what they are? Or is it is he in the name? Or guess what it's like? Well, they're in the name. It's okay, be, that's be quite fine. Difficult. Come on, just tell me. Okay, so I've got two. <laughs> yeah, go and on. you pro- probably have heard of them, but I didn't realise they were like actually things that we used medicinally. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so the first one is dance and movement therapy. Okay. So. So does this just involve like just dancing on your own? Well, I think it, it, I think both on your own and going and dancing with. I presume in order to be able to teach it, you would have to be a dance yeah. professional dancer or a dance coach or something um apparently it's very good for things like body image self-esteem it does also does a lot of help with physical issues like chronic pain and that sort of stuff yeah, okay um it's been shown to have positive impacts on anxiety and depression uh, eating disorders as well and obviously i mentioned self-esteem they're obviously linked to a lot of those, those mm. things. Uh, trauma post-traumatic stress as well oh, really? and there have been a number of studies that said it has been effective um in terms of uplifting people from symptoms of depression now i must admit i was gonna say you did dancing i did dancing so where are we now it was just over 12 months ago yeah. i was a contestant on a strictly come dancing yeah. event for raising money for widow Arch, yeah which involved me being paired with a professional dancer to do lessons for a performance that we had to do in the titanic hotel in liverpool i think there was about 600 people there yeah that's quite nerve-wracking yeah it was like it was <laughs> honestly like the the week's so basically, so what happened was I went to America just before it. Yeah. And I got back about mid-October and the performance was mid-November and I hadn't done any lessons up to that point. So we had to cram it all into four weeks. Mm. Um, and it actually went really well in the end. We did a good good dance. We can put it on Twitter as well if people would like to. Oh, don't. We're not just advertising your dancing. We, we we're are. going to put it on Twitter. Uh, we, we are. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'll, uh, yeah. <laughs> just look out for that. That's your Christmas present from yeah. me to see my, my moves. Anyway, so... 
what happened was I did all the, the dancing. Now, outside of the fact that it was incredibly stressful because I was like, I do not want to look like an absolute knob in front of loads of people. There was an element of it that it was dancing is dead fun. Like it is fun. Is it? Do you ever not have a dance when you I do, do the dishes? Little, I do have a little boogie in, in the house, but I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, but I, you don't need to. Okay. It just just shake a little bit, but, move a do, bit. But like in terms of like you know like when you were doing it, did you feel any difference other than like the fact that like it's exercise? Did you feel like any different because it was dancing? Yeah, well, like what was so there's there's a couple of things that were with it. Once you like learn how to do things, there's that like thing of learning a new skill. So right. you know that thing in you, that they talk about when you learn something new and it creates different pathways in your brain. Okay, that's yeah, supposed yeah. to be good for for your mental health. Yeah, I think that's around like releasing them endorphins and things like that mm. um, I'm not a scientist so do not take that as red <laughs> oh, thank god you've, you've clarified that <laughs> well, let me just put this lab coat away <laughs> but I think get away from me with that syringe get away <laughs> it's a vaccine oh sorry okay? um, but I think people get that that, that kind of feeling of self way yeah. out of it as well there is the exercise element of yeah. it but I think it's just there is a, there's that release there's that not having to concentrate on something because you can just kind of move mm. which I suspect when it's actual dance therapy it's not about learning a routine so it's slightly different mm. but I would suggest and this is this is just from my own point of view doing the dishes or something stick a bit of music on just have a little boogie around your kitchen while you're doing the dishes I find it very very good for de-stress mm. and for a little bit of a mood pick up mm. I love doing it it's great That's bang a bit of music on headphones Alexa whatever it might be other audio devices aren't available yeah. I think that's a good one so yeah. I thought that would be an interesting one to bring to the table <laughs> if you didn't hear that that was my actual Alexa <laughs> it's going to do it again now isn't it oh no there we go <laughs> doesn't work as well as I thought it would <laughs> I think it got annoyed that I said other, other devices were available uh, yeah. <laughs> because because Jeff Bezos is listening to us yeah, right now. Obviously, he he got annoyed, so interrupted yeah. that bit. Um, yeah. Anyway, the other therapy that I found uh, that I was reading about, which again is another thing that sounds kind of obvious that exists, but not that it's like an actual thing, is mm. laughter therapy. Oh, the laughter okay. therapy. So basically, again, it's about the kind of the elation of laughter and it's it's again it's about endorphins yeah once again not a scientist but yeah. it's about the releasing of endorphins there's also an exercise element of it as well and it works the muscles yeah. in your face and stuff so there's that part of it but it's about a, a de- in, in terms of de-stress and there is fairly decent evidence that it is quite effective and i think with trauma again is another one that it's good about releasing that that yeah. pressure I, I must say my tinsel joke as bad as it is like I've been doing them with um, in work. We've you know. Well, the same joke. Well, I did it the other day. Yeah, I've told it a few times now. To the same people or just one? Uh, a couple of people actually. Anyway. Did any of them laugh? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so uh, in work, obviously, like everyone's working at home. We're all on teams and stuff like that. No one really sees each other. We're in like one day a week into the office because yeah. we haven't worked out how to print stuff. Which isn't as stupid as that sounds. Does sound we, quite stupid. Yeah, we haven't worked out how to do like all the confidential stuff. Um, anyway, so I, obviously we work in like little mini teams. So I, in like the chat on Microsoft Teams and whatever, I've literally just typed in like short jokes, like dead easy jokes, and like a lot of them have been like, "Oh, I'm so I get really annoyed by Russian dolls. They're just so full of themselves, okay. stuff like that, yeah. and Jesus. like those like yeah. those like bad jokes, but." The person I've been sending them to has gone, they actually are quite fun. <laughs> like, yeah. as bad as they are, 
it's like oh it gets like things going yeah. so like stuff like that like you can understand why comedy's like a, a, yeah. a, I think comedy at the moment is getting a bit of like it gets like a bit of bad press sometimes doesn't it but you can understand why and even if it's not like just like watching stand up DVDs or whatever yeah I imagine it's like situations and stuff I, I, I'm, I must admit, even doing the reading, I still can't picture how you would. It feels again, and a little bit like the dance therapy. Maybe there might be a bit of ice breaking needed at, at the beginning of it. They do it with yoga, apparently. Oh, okay. So they do a combination of yoga. So I suppose you're doing the yoga, mm. and part of your exercise is to laugh. Is that because everyone's farting when they're doing it? Oh, sorry. <laughs> is that what you do when you do yoga? You know, you know when like you're stretching like really weird places. I, re- I really don't. Uh, well, this is this is, this is this is a peek behind the curtain. I wasn't <laughs> I mean, it's just me, you know, and you you know you, you you lean over a little bit too far or, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, occasional little one just slips out. <laughs> <laughs> this is deteriorated <laughs> so badly. We've been here a while. <laughs> but that the the comedy thing, oh, microphone, I've heard it. I mean, the comedy thing is, I mean, it makes sense. Like, yeah, it does massively. And I, I I think it's the type of thing that's been. Um, studied for a long time since sort of the seventies and anything. And again, it's it's the type of thing anyone can do. It's accessible mm-hmm. for everybody. Um, I must admit, I'm not 100 percent sure if it's like that. If it's like I again with a lot of these alternative therapies, they're very difficult in terms of the way that you get hold of them mm. because I don't know how they can be signposted or prescribed by a clinician. Yeah. If you see what I mean. But these type of things, the yoga laughter therapy, that there probably is some of that going on somewhere fairly near to. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not like the most uncommon thing. Well, I suppose like any type of thing like that, like even hobbies are kind of like therapy, aren't they? Oh yeah, massively. So I think it's, that's... it's it's it's. I think when people hear therapy, I think they think, yeah. oh god, I'm gonna have to sit on the couch and tell everyone about my feelings. Yeah. And it's not always about that. It's about what is it that will make you feel better. Like yeah. that's what it's all about. So did you know? Apparently, children laugh about four hundred times a day. And adults, it's only about 15. Wow. I know. Okay. And you could understand why that might be. Because I tell tinsel jokes, well, that's why. yeah, that's why they're not <laughs> laughing as much. But I suppose for, for for us, in terms of the way that we would look at it, it's just that, and again, it goes back to a lot of the stuff that we talked about in terms of finding different hobbies and different mm. activities and things to do. It's finding stuff that you enjoy, and that can be your therapy. You've talked about with running, for yeah, example, and yeah, exercise, yeah, yeah. and we started playing football again yeah. on Monday, and that was good. That was good fun to get out and stretch the legs and... Mm and have a run about and what have you even though it was freezing cold yeah. still it was still good to do yeah. so I think in terms of thinking about therapy if you are uncomfortable with the idea of going and seeing a therapist and mm-hmm. sitting in front of a therapist and talking to them in the first instance maybe go and have a little look at these other things that are out there because you can say I'm going to a yoga class I go to this well, yoga class it, or I go to a dance class and that might be less daunting for people even like to the, face even like the Andes Man Clubs isn't necessarily Technically, therapy is it? I mean, it's more depends on you apply yeah, therapy. I suppose, it? and if that and if that gets you to the because I think ultimately, if you are seeking feeling so you need to seek professional help, mm. but that feels daunting. Mm. This can be a nice middle ground between getting from the 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 not being able, not knowing where to go and the professional help, which can be a big leap for people. So I suppose what, what nice we're, bridge between what we're trying the two. to say is, is therapy isn't just categorized into yeah. one of these. Doesn't have to be the scary. Mm-hmm doctors thing yeah. that people might find a bit overfacing, a bit intimidating. Once you break it down and understand exactly what different therapy areas can be, then it can it can be really important for people. Uh, going back to Rob, for him as a therapist, mm. you know, without wanting to speak on his behalf, I would imagine that the way he would look at it and, and the way that we've heard from people before is whatever it is that works for you, whatever it is that mm. is a positive thing for your mental health, 
react to more of it and that mm. can be the way that you that you use your therapy i do think it's good to try and aim to get to a point where if you feel as though you need some professional help that you get to that point yeah it's just about how you find that and if it feels too intimidating to do or it feels like something that you don't want to do maybe look at these other places that might help you mm. even if it just gets you one percent closer every single time incremental the, planes, isn't it with the scuba therapy you're being shown something that you probably never normally see and you're doing something that you never normally yeah. do it's not not an everyday thing it's and he talks about it for being for recovering addicts and stuff yeah doesn't it? yeah it's it's um it does seem very very interesting yeah i mean scuba scuba diving in itself is is pretty interesting yeah isn't exactly it? so and again the same as with the dance thing in a way you're learning something yeah. new so you're creating those pathways in your brain you're retraining yourself so i do think anything that involves learning a new skill mm-hmm. like the dance thing is 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 worth doing as well absolutely yeah i suppose for us then what we we talk a lot about go and see a doctor go and see a therapist yeah, go and see yeah, a psychotherapist yeah. go and see a, a psychologist whoever it might be and that 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 is an important step for a lot of people and that we, is, that we is have a, also spoke about go and talk to just people that you know yeah <laughs> as yeah. well so i suppose that's quite just similar different outlets and yeah. especially at this time of the year around christmas time mm-hmm. there are a lot of people who feel isolated and this year more than ever before it'll be Un- under pressure as well yeah, i think pressure. you know there's nothing worse than start of december you've just been paid and at the end of the month and, and you're like oh i've got to buy this 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 yeah. and this and it is a lot of pressure and it, it, it's we're made to, you're made to feel as though you have to spend money yeah, and be in a set it's hand massive hand. and look the spending money on others and the ones that you love is absolutely brilliant it does give you a great like sense of satisfaction yeah. you go and you've got that ability to go and make people happy but it's not the be all and end all, is it? Yeah. And, and you, you know, I think that the, the tip that I've learned is, and probably people are saying I'm cheap or whatever, is basically <laughs> making presents, <laughs> make yeah, the presents, make the presents. It is um, just you know, spend as much as you can spend. Don't yeah. overdo it. Don't yeah. put too much pressure on yeah. yourself. And and, and enjoy, enjoy, it more, more enjoy than Christmas as much. Try as and I, be there in in that, in the moment. In that moment, as much your family. as uh, talking about hobbies and enjoying things and things as therapy. Yeah. What we will get the opportunity to do, I presume in most areas, mm. is being able to see family and friends oh, and stuff yeah. over Christmas. Just allow yourself to enjoy it. Yeah. Just allow yourself to enjoy it. It's been a difficult Absolutely. year for everybody, a really difficult year. And Christmas is a time that for all its faults, it is a time that people come together and can enjoy themselves. Absolutely. So if you are in that position, let yourself enjoy you it. Think about it now as well. You've got that the excitement of it excitement of Christmas anyway you know with the kind of materialistic things but the excitement of being able to go and speak to other people and hear about what they're doing is something that not many people have had that chance to to be in and around and and learn new things from other people and, and listen to stories that are funny and so you've got that chance to you know when you are there have a listen and 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 think this is this is good yeah you know it even if it's not family, it's friends, you know, it's whatever it's it might be. Op- perfect yeah. opportunity. Yeah, exactly. And I think exactly. the biggest takeaway message that we can have from this, and I'm sure, sure Rob would echo it as well, is that mm. take the pressure off yourself. Yeah. Christmas is a time for you to enjoy it. And, 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 you know, there is a lot of pressure, as you say, there, as you yeah. rightly say, there's a lot of pressure. But, you know, go and go and enjoy yourself. Everyone deserves it this year. It's, yeah. been, it's been a difficult one. And go and lighten the load. So just, you know, be kind to yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, yeah, and carry that on as well. When, yeah. you, when, you, when you've done that, when you experience that, carry it on. Yeah, take it's, that into next yeah. year. Yeah. Because it's, you know, I think this year, as much as anything else, it's 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 been bad news after bad news after bad yeah, news. Yeah, and made. we've heard it all and all, and, you know, and it's all been about, but I, it does excite me, the, the chance to go and speak to, to other people. Yeah. 
Oh, I, I, I honestly, I for ages Christmas or... Eve is like I, I absolutely love Christmas Eve, and the fact the fourth a few months back that we're not going to get yeah. to do it was really difficult, but we're going to be able to do Christmas Eve as close to as normal as, yeah. as possible. And I hope, you know, there will be people out there who, who, who might not be able to or, or you know, don't ever do anything for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And I just hope that people are able to be in a position where they can enjoy themselves over Christmas because yeah. it's been a, it has been shit. As much as anything <laughs> it's, else. Not, it's been shit. Not been and don't, don't punish yourself if you're struggling or having a difficult time mm-hmm. this time of year because it is hard. It's mm-hmm. really hard. But do it as much as you can. Go and enjoy yourself this year. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's uh, probably a pretty good time to to wrap up. This will probably be the last time that you hear from us, unless you go and listen to some of the back catalogue. Yeah, um, which you probably should do. So in the middle, you of know, the... when you're on your on your fourth mince pie, Christmas day, you're needing a bit of a sleep. Yeah, stick us in. Yeah, <laughs> stick definitely us on. for a sleep. Yeah, stick us <laughs> stick us on. We'll talk you to sleep. Oh yeah, that's a bit creepy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so this will be the last time you hear us before Christmas. We will be dropping a, a bit of a special episode on. On Christmas Day, yeah. you're looking at me with with worried expression on your face. Because I haven't heard what we're doing yet. They'll <laughs> be good people, don't you worry. We'll see you on Christmas Day. Enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy your Christmas preparations, and and you know, enjoy Christmas Day. And and we'll probably see you on the on the other side, if not on Christmas Day itself. Oh God! There you go. That was nice. That was, that was soft. <laughs> we're going to leave you with Rob Watton's quick fire um, if you want to find us on Twitter you can find us at marking underscore man and don't forget to keep using that hashtag where's the talking lads where's the talking lads this is Rob Watton's quick fire we've been man marking and uh, have a very merry Christmas this one is how does someone decide if they've got a face for television or radio <laughs> uh, uh, I think I've definitely got a face for for radio. Um, I, I guess it's how many, it's when you go into makeup. If if they if they get the polyfiller out, you know you've got a face. <laughs> um, how different would your life have been if you'd have got the deadline day slot in two thousand and eight rather than Jim White? Um, uh, I love Jim. He's he's welcome to it. <laughs> do you um do you own a yellow tie? Rob? No. <laughs> that answers the question then, I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rob, what's your favourite Muller corner? Oh, uh, I, I like the... You get the one with strawberry in, in it, can't you? That that one. Good choice. Good choice. Can you remember the reaction to Alan Irwin after the dildo incident outside Goodison? <laughs> Which one's Alan? <laughs> um, any chance we can get some money off our Sky Bills, Rob? Uh, no. <laughs> Favourite uh, memory as a football fan? Uh, it's got to be Munich. I mean, I, it, I, I went with my son and the day was so good. Uh, all the way through, we got parking space under the ground. We've gone in Munich, had a lovely time there. Our seats were fantastic. And I said to him just before kickoff, should we just go back to the hotel and watch it there? Because the game's going to ruin the day. Because I was so convinced we were going to get beat. And he looked at me as if I was mad. And and luckily, we stayed two in front of us, though. uh, Two rows in front of us. They got up and left when Munich scored. Um, So, uh, yeah, I bet they're regretting that one.
we um, we were three 0 down at Watford this year in the FA Cup, and a couple of our friends left at half time to go to the pub, and we somehow oh. managed to to make it three 0 <laughs> in the second half. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was just about to mention that, right? <laughs> I liked yeah. how you. I like how you uh, you mentioned the parking space, which is the most dad thing ever. <laughs> yeah, well, it's fantastic. It's brilliant. <laughs> um, who's your who's the best ex pro to work with on Sky Sports? Oh, that's um, oh, that's a hard one. the The one who I used to enjoy the most, sadly, um, is uh, was Ray Wilkins. Um, I love working with Ray. Um, I, I, you know, I saw him play when I was a little kid. He was captain of Chelsea at eighteen. You know, and and to end up working with him, and he was such a nice man, as well. Um, and I and I miss him, um, Ray. And uh, yeah, I'd have to say him. By all accounts, he's uh, one of the nicest. Was one of the nicest blokes in football. Yeah, he he was a true, true gentleman. Lovely man. Your most embarrassing live TV moment? Oh, God. I mean, really? How long have you got left? Uh, <laughs> um, oh, God. Uh, there's just so many of them. Um, it, uh, myself and, and Kelly Dalgleish, Kelly Capes, as she is now, um, we, we got told we couldn't work together anymore because we just kept laughing. Um <laughs> So much in radio. Um, one time I tried to say ball into the box and and it went a little bit wrong. And, uh, <laughs> and the kid in front of me turned around and said, Hey, mate, you just said bollocks on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, there's just been so many of them. I think every day I go in is, uh, um, you know, I'm, 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 I'm a second away from an absolute disaster most days. But that, that's kind of fun. Uh, Rob, Meatloaf once said that he'd do anything for love, but he wouldn't do that. What's the craziest thing you've ever done for love? Married her. <laughs> <laughs> and last one, Rob. Um, can you give us an insight into a Sky Sports Christmas party? Jim <laughs> uh, White with yellow tie around his head. That's yeah, yeah t- tied around his forehead. Graham Sooness with his medals on the table. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, 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 you know, it, it's great up until about the 30th uh, drink that they've all had. And then it all goes a little bit. No, they're, they're all kind of fun. Um, I, I think I'm a bit old for the youngsters one now. So I, I, um, I, I, uh, I stay home and, and, and watch paint dry instead. <laughs> <laughs> Presumably in the form of a nil-nil that you didn't know was coming. Yeah, well, it seems to be the theme of my life, nil-nil. So uh, maybe I did know it was coming. 